Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The number to join us, 855 855-950-3835. 855-950-3835. We're going to open the phone lines right now, so start dialing. We'll be here for the next hour taking your calls and answering your questions, and it is a free-for-all. Anything goes. We can talk about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your authority. You name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and join us. We'll get to those calls here in just a little bit. A uh, couple things I want to talk about while we start lining up those calls. Looks like they're uh, coming in, so start dialing. All right, um, I just have some odds and ends here I do want to talk about. Um, the truck show, I'll probably uh, come back to that. I want to give you a report on that. Um, I'm still on the road, still trying to figure out our internet strategy. We, uh, we're using two different mobile hotspots that are supposed to be unlimited. Um, neither one of them have been trouble free yet. In fact, I've been fighting with them almost from day one. So we're still working on those. Um, I did get a Starlink set up. Um, it should be over here today after the show so I can start playing around with that. We'll see how that goes, but there's not a guarantee on Starlink that when you move to a new spot, you're going to be able to get service yet. They are supposed to be rolling out some sort of a new mobile version where if you know you're going to be moving a lot, like trucks and RVs, that will be a different service type, but it, they're not rolling it out to everybody at once. So. Uh, I should have some updates on whether or not Starlink is going to work right now in a mobile setup. Um, along those lines with Starlink, uh, Elon Musk made an interesting statement yesterday. He was asked because it, when the whole Ukraine thing happened and they started taking out electricity and the Internet, and um, Elon Musk said, all right, we'll put satellites over there and we'll start service for Starlink in Ukraine shipped a whole bunch of terminals over there. And over the weekend, I saw an interview where they asked him, um, you know, Russia has the capability of shooting down satellites. What if they just take out your service? And he said, well, it'd be a little more difficult than it sounds. We already have 2,000 satellites in orbit for Starlink. So right now for Starlink, and it's still a fairly new service, they have already launched 2,000 satellites into space. And Elon Musk made the statement, which sounds like something he would say, if Russia thinks they can take out Starlink, they're going to need an awful lot of anti-satellite missiles. And he said, even if they try it, I can launch satellites faster than they can launch anti-satellite missiles. What a crazy, bold statement, but that's what he's saying, so we'll see. I thought that was, uh, thought that was interesting. I do want to talk a little bit about rates. Um, looking back through the data, rates started dropping in January. 
think we lost 20 cents in January. The data's in on February. The actual base rate in February was down another 26 cents. I've seen people complaining about rates more than normal, but most of them don't even realize that the rate is actually falling faster than they think, and here's why. Fuel prices always prop up rates, even if you say, well, not for me because I don't get a fuel surcharge. It doesn't matter whether you get a fuel surcharge or not. Rates, all the rates are always affected by fuel prices going up. They may be lagging behind the fuel surcharge, but they will go up as fuel goes up because if I have to negotiate a rate today and I know fuel is 525 a gallon, of course I'm going to raise my rate, I have to. And so does everybody else in the industry. So the fuel surcharge works but even if you're not getting a fuel surcharge or you think it's not affecting your rate, it absolutely does. If you look at the data in February, the rate itself only went down about a penny. When you look at all the rates across the country, the average rate van, I just looked at van, only went down about a penny. But technically, it went down 26 cents. 25 cents of it was made back up because the fuel prices were going up so fast. That is even more pronounced right now. We've seen fuel prices go through the roof during March, so it makes the rates look like they're holding steady. They're not. My guess is when all the March data comes in, we're going to see that the, the base rate itself has dropped. The reason you have to pay attention to that all the signs right now saying are saying the economy cannot handle this kind of inflation. And what kills inflation is inflation. It will collapse under its own weight. The, the economy, nothing else needs to happen in order for our economy to really start slowing down and tanking because it is inflation that kills inflation the Fed will probably jump on board and start raising interest rates. They already are. They've said they're going to raise them seven times in the next year or two, and that will start to kill it as well. You don't need that, but that will make it happen even faster. There aren't many signs right now that this economy has any chance of sustaining this level or recovering. All of the signs right now point to some sort of a big pullback probably a recession, maybe more. It's hard to say. The, the war in Ukraine right now really doesn't help trying to predict anything because based on some of the comments our president made over the weekend, uh, it looks like we're going to get deeper and deeper into this. So that's still a big wild card. But when the economy starts to slow down, fuel will drop because of demand. And we will see the rate tank really, really fast. So be careful and keep an eye on that. And I hope you've been doing what we've been talking about since 2017, paying down debt, saving cash. Don't make any big business or financial decisions during this time. Um, 
you know, I had another topic here, AB5 and the whole concept of authority. The calls are starting to come in. I think I'm going to skip that. These hours fly by once the uh, calls start coming in. So I'll hold off on that. Maybe we'll talk about that later. I do want to maybe give an update on the truck show. It was a really good show for me this year. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, But I do want to get to the calls. So let's get started today in Texas. Rusty, welcome to the program. Hello? Rusty, yep. Yeah, What's on your mind you today? Yep, I was calling back about the uh, oil sample with high viscosity and oxidation. Yes. Uh, Angie said you would have that oil sample now. Oh, let me go check then. I should. If Angie said I've got it, I should have it. That's what she said. All right. Let's see what I'm... Yep, I do. All right. So this is the one we talked about last week, but I didn't have it in front of me. Yes. Okay. So you the first thing I want to look at is your viscosity and has always been really high. Now, it's worse than it's ever been. Uh, you also have another interesting thing going on, and this may may possibly explain what's going on with um, the viscosity. You are actually getting water in your oil. That's a really unusual thing. We almost never see that. And it's not a lot. It's 0.1. But they actually had to go to a secondary test for this. They call it a hot plate test, which tells us that something weird was going on with with this engine. You're getting a lot of condensation. Water... Normally, we don't see water because what we would see is coolant. If we have a coolant leak somewhere, coolant getting in a head gasket, uh, injector cups, whatever it might be, if we have coolant crossing over somewhere, we see it as coolant, not water. If we see water, that's odd because there really isn't any water just by itself that should be coming in contact with this oil. But the engine itself could build up a lot of condensation. Do you idle a lot? Uh, no, not really. I mean, not not, okay. not overnight at all. Just uh, okay. only only idle is a little PTO time, but it's an hour a day. Yeah, so, and usually no. when you're running the PTO, you're at a higher idle, right? Yes. Yeah, so that that wouldn't even do it. It if we idle and it's really cold outside, which is a lot of times when people idle. Some engines could build up some condensation because they're just not running at temperature. Um, We almost never – you don't have an OPS on this, or do you? Yes. You do, okay. That's even more unusual because what that's telling us is the water problem is probably worse than it really is because the heating element will get the water out of there normally. So this water is kind of interesting. I'm not sure why we're seeing it, but we do have to pay attention to that. The other thing that was causing some of the soot was your your uh, or um, viscosity is your soot was really high. You were up to 3.6 at one point. This last sample was down to 0.4. What what mechanically might have changed from the last sample to this sample? Did you run an overhead? clean or put in a new air filter, 
get rid of some exhaust uh, restriction, fix air, a boost leak, anything? New new air filter would, would have been on this sample. Um, I did change my exhaust from a, a weed burner to a single stack. That would have okay. been... That might have been the last sample, though. It's really unusual to see soot. Here here was your pattern going back, you know, two years, basically. Your soot was at 2, 3.6. That was your highest. Uh, 2.5, 3.3, and then you dropped the jump, jump in there for four. a minute. I've got... Uh, this is an N14, and that, so I've had... I've replaced all the injectors over the last three years, and I finally replaced okay. the last two. So I'm that, sure a lot of the fuel dilution in this, so it was probably bad injectors. That would explain it. And if you replace them, you know, one or two at a time like that, sometimes it is that last one or two that were the worst, and those were the ones causing the most problems. Okay, so based on the fact that a lot of things have changed, did you change the oil on this last sample? No. I would change it now. Let's change I've only, this oil. I've, I've only put, uh, I mean, I put the OPS on. I ran it 25,000, changed the OPS, and then now this is my 50,000 mile, and I changed both. So I've only That's got 50,000 miles out of it. Yeah, we got to get it out of there. It, there's too many things that aren't making sense. The water got worse. The soot got better. The viscosity got worse. <clears throat> the fuel dilution got worse. And we know that there's been injector changes, air filters, muffler, exhaust got changed. There's yeah, way but I think too all much. That was, I think all that was in the last – I'll have to go back and look, but I – I think all that was before he, I put the Here's the thing. Hey, if it were me, I wouldn't even go back and look. You can if you want. It wouldn't change my answer. There is way too many things to try to figure out what happened because nothing's making sense. Why do we have water? Why is the viscosity almost off the charts? And why did our fuel dilution and soot go down just on this one sample? Unless you changed one injector between the last sample and this one, and that was the bad injector. But then I have to say, well, what if this? What if that? You change the exhaust. It, it, there's way too much. And I would not be confident of any answer I gave you right now. So when this kind of stuff happens, and there's all these factors going on, reading oil analysis can be difficult sometimes without all of this. With all of this happening, I just kind of throw up my hands and go, I don't know what the hell's wrong here. So let's yeah, start so over. The injectors let's, were way before. The, uh, the injectors were back that, in November. So Well, then now I'm even more confused then. I'm running on good what, injectors. Yeah, if, if that was so long ago, then clearly that didn't have an impact on just this one sample. How did we go from soot of 3.3, and it's been consistently high for almost two years, and all of a sudden it goes to point 0.4 but i can't explain that why did you, why does your viscosity continue to go up over the last 2 years to numbers i've never seen before i've never seen this oil show up at almost 19 on viscosity 
So what I'm telling you is you either have to find somebody that knows more about oil analysis than I do, or we need to just start over and get a fresh read on this. All right. Because I can't make sense of any of this. Okay. That's what I'll do. The good news is, here's the good news. None of this oil issue seems to be affecting the engine negatively. Like what we look for most of the time are, are these problems causing wear metals? And they're really not. Now, I will say, and again, I, this is why I want to start over. Here's the history on your lead. Lead is one of the first wear metals we look for. It's the first one that will be attacked by coolant or low viscosity or dirt and contaminants like high soot. Your lead history going back two years, zero, two, zero, one, and now it went up to nine. Something changed on this last sample, and, and I we just need a fresh start. Okay. Well, it doesn't. I'm I'm leery that changing the oil is going to change anything, but I guess it gives a, gives us a chance to reset the samples. But oh, it won't. I'm adding, it won't change anything enough, except reset the sample. Yeah, I'm adding enough oil. Added adding you know the add add on oil every five thousand miles. That it's not like it's not like all ten gallons of that oil has been in there. So for 50, so here's miles. here's another way of looking at this. Then I, I'll give you another option. The other way of looking at this is when you start using a gallon of oil every 5,000 miles, you're at the end of the life of that engine. It's done. It's just a matter of when do you want to schedule the in-frame. You can keep dumping oil in it, and, and it will keep running, and you'll, you could do that. But at some point, you're, you're, you're kind of done. Your cylinder kits are shot. I, my guess is in three months, you might be putting in a gallon every 4,000, and six months, probably a gallon every 2,500. But some, at some point, you're just going to have to rebuild this thing. And if that's the case, why even bother trying to figure out what's wrong with it? There's nothing dangerous, not like the engine's going to quit tomorrow because of your oil condition. It could quit tomorrow because you could throw a, a rod through the block. You know, when we get to an, the, the end of an engine's life, there is more metal fatigue. You could have a catastrophic failure. It's not likely, but at this point, you, you could just keep running if you want, and then decide when you want to do an in-frame. Forget the oil problems; just ignore them. I think I'll let Bruce just turn it up and let it go out in a blaze of glory. You could do that too, and you, you know you might find you turn it up, and if you go drive it nice, you might make it last another year. Uh, it's already got it's already got their tune in it, but uh, the yeah. engine was a used engine. It's got about six hundred thousand miles on an overhaul and it's it's used i mean it hasn't gone it, the, the, the the my oil will i'll i'll burn a, a gallon every seven thousand and i'll burn a gallon every twenty five hundred sometimes see that's another weird thing that doesn't make any sense at all there there's so many that's why i wanted to just start over on the oil just to figure out what the hell's wrong with this thing it's so odd but honestly why spend the money or the time? Just run it. Decide when you want to do the in-frame and run it till then. Well, it kind of makes me regret putting OPS on it at this point. If I'm going to have why? to change my oil. Well, I didn't. I, 
I put the OPS on and so, it didn't. So then uh, don't, don't, Rusty, don't change your oil then. Don't even sample anymore. Just run it. I'm giving you two totally wait. extreme options here. Go figure out why your oil samples are so odd, and I'm telling you they're odd. You could find somebody that knows more about oil analysis than I do, and they're going to tell you the exact same thing. It's odd. We, it doesn't make sense. Let's start over. Or so you're saying, why would I throw this oil away? And I'm saying, then don't. Keep it. Keep yeah. running it. But don't don't be such stuck in the middle where well, I thought you about adding instead of and then saying, why is it doing this? And I'm trying to tell you, I don't know why it's doing it. Yeah, no, I'm not real worried about it because it's not it's not doing. I mean, this it's not doing a lot of damage. It appears on the samples. It's but what not. if I just started adding instead of adding uh, r regular oil? What if I started adding synthetic? To, would that lower the viscosity? It would, but I wouldn't anything? do that. I wouldn't do no. It will lower the viscosity. It could make things worse. You're going to burn more oil. The thinner you make yeah. that oil, the more you're going to burn it. But mm -hmm. again, I. I if we wanted to try to fix something, which is what you're asking me now, will synthetic fix it? I'm saying we can't figure out what to fix till we figure out what's wrong. We can't figure out what's wrong from your history of samples now that I've seen them. There's nothing mm. in this that makes sense. I'm more confused than I was before I got to see the sample. So yeah. if, if your goal is to try to fix the problem, then go change your oil so we can figure out what the problem is. If you don't care about fixing the problem, then just keep doing what you're doing. Got it. All right. And you're, you're, you've got some life out of this engine. You've probably got a little bit more, but at this point, I would, uh, I would pick one of those two. I wouldn't hang around in the middle trying to figure something out. And if you do want to figure it out, you're, you're going to have to do what I said. Let's uh, let's go to BC Murray. Welcome to the program. Murray, are you with me? Yeah, Kevin. Good morning. There you are. What's on your mind today? A couple of quick things. Well, hopefully they're quick. Won't try to take too much time. Uh, Norma and I started uh, back into keto in earnest. Uh, we, we've been doing keto for several years, but we stray a little and eat too many carbs, clean carbs, but still too many carbs, and so it's kind of stalled our weight loss for a while. We're back we're back on that wagon and trimmed our carbs right down, and we're kind of following Jason Fung's approach with the fasting, the 24-36 hour fasting, one day a okay. week. Okay. And, and it seems to be working. We're losing weight again. We, we broke through the – it took a long time to break through the insulin-resistant barrier. It seems that, that we've had quite a problem with that. But it seems we've broken through that now, and we're, we're back on the track. But since we started Excellent. that, since we started that, Norma has had unrelenting diarrhea. How long? And we're one <laughs> – well, we've been doing it now for the best part of a month, well, more than three oh, weeks. Oh, okay. And, and and last night, or yesterday, we started adding the supplements in that that William Davis recommends because we're making yogurt. We just got our first okay. batch of L-Ruteri, so we're not ready to start eating that because 
William Davis recommends that you clean out first, and and so we're yeah. we're doing that. And and since yesterday, Norma is all of a sudden now she's constipated. Well, in one day it flip flops. <laughs> well, hold hold on. You you can't really diagnose con or yeah constipation in one day. No, I mean. So if the diarrhea stopped, that's a good thing. Let's just right. Let's, that's a good thing. But to say, you know, in one day I was constipated, you know, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. It, it, sometimes well, one day, especially eating carnivore or keto, or you know, some people don't eat enough to go as often as they used to. Is she feeling like a lot of pain, pressure, bloating, something like that? No, and that's and that's kind of the thing that's got to scratch in our heads. It's just, it's not like she can't get away from the toilet and go to work or do whatever she. But when the urge comes, the urge right. comes and she heads for the toilet. So and it's, let me let me ask you this: Does she have her gallbladder? No. Oh, so we have a fat digestion issue here. She, without supplements she will suffer from diarrhea possibly on and off the rest of her life. Okay. Well, she because does the take gall- bile salts, and she but, does and take the um, the, uh, the SIBO thing that you recommend. Um, the Atrantil, okay. Atrantil. And, and we, may, we may stop the Atrantil. I mean, that's for a very, very specific purpose. And if you're not right. having the SIBO, then we don't need to take the Atrantil. My guess is we, I could give you some ideas here, but we really need to do a consult. Or, or you could hold off because you are already making changes on your own. You've added some new supplements, Dr. Davis's supplements. You're going to be adding the yogurt. Uh, let's wait and see what that does because I have a feeling her digestion is going to change. It, it sounds like it already is. So I don't yeah. want to... I don't want to pile on. I don't want to say, oh, well, let's also go do this. No, you've already made some good changes that make sense. Let's give those changes a week and see what happens with them. Okay. Now. But I will say this, that almost everybody who loses their gallbladder will will suffer digestive issues more easily and more often than people who have a gallbladder. So every part in our body performs a function. None of them are just spare parts. When you take out an entire organ, you change a lot of things. Now, we like to be able to try to make up for that function as much as we can with bile salts and enzymes and other things, but we'll never, ever fully match what that gallbladder used to do. That's why I'm so adamant to people that haven't had theirs yanked out yet don't let them unless they tell you it's an emergency and let's make sure you never get to the point where it's an emergency because once it's gone digestion will never be optimal again we we can do the best we can do right and and norma is all she used to have ibs and she's had digestive issues most all of her life and unfortunately we didn't find out that she could do with it she could get you know better without having her gallbladder taken out until after it was gone so you know, yeah I'll put it back now. no it, it, it it's um, a shame that 
that doctors don't take the time to explain. Now, when it's an emergency, it's infected, it, it's life-threatening, I, I get it, take it out. We're not going to risk somebody dying over this. But many times, it's a long lead-up. Oh, you've had gallstones a couple times. Oh, we can't seem to get rid of them. Oh, they're, they're blocking the duct. They're, you've got sludge in your gallbladder. I, okay, all of those things can be fixed. But their answer is, yank it out, and they don't bother to tell anybody that, first, they don't bother telling anybody you should be taking bile salts and digestive enzymes, and then they don't even bother to explain to people your digestion may never be right again. When we told her doctor that we were that she was taking bile salts, her doctor poo-pooed on that and said, oh, you don't need to worry about that, you're... Your uh, your liver will do whatever it needs to do to make enough, and you'll be fine. So, I mean, well, her statement is correct, but not not helpful. Yes, your liver no, will exactly. continue making bile. It, true statement, but it's not. Yeah. If the gallbladder wasn't necessary, why do we have it? Well, yeah, you're, you're essentially taking out the storage tank. Exactly, and the injector. And the injector. Yeah. It, yep, exactly. I, you know. I doubt that that analogy would have helped the doctor, but it, truck drivers get it. Yeah, this is where yeah. we store the fuel, and this is when and how we inject it. Let's yeah. let's take that engine analogy one step further. What if the whole time, whether your engine was running at 1,800 RPM, 600 RPM, the same amount of fuel just constantly dripped into your cylinders? Your engine wouldn't even run. Oh, and you'd have horrible fuel dilution. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> exactly. So to say, oh, you don't need the gallbladder. The liver will do what it needs to do. That's like saying you don't need injectors. Your fuel pump will do what it needs to do. Right. And we understand that now. but Right. No, I get it. I just yeah, wish we, doctors yeah. would do a better job of explaining yeah. it to people. Funny, funny thing about that doctor, Norma Change doctor's, Back when you were helping her with her liver problem two years ago, yeah, her her fatty liver. Uh, that same doctor who was helping her then uh, recently died with bubonic plague. Believe it or not, bubonic plague. Are you? Where does yeah. she live? Yeah, we're in Abbotsford, just just across the border from Sumas. I'd almost like to know the history of bubonic plague in that area. I would have to believe it's almost unheard of. Well, it was shocking to everybody. It's like all of a sudden the doctor, he was an avid gardener, and so the the, the common assumption amongst everybody is that he picked it up while gardening for lack of, you know, knowing where else it would come from. Yeah, that's bizarre you know my get why wouldn't they think that maybe picked it up from a patient or she picked it up from a patient yeah maybe yeah but uh anyway yeah he just all of a sudden so now i have no doctor and she had she had changed doctors a couple of years ago and finding a new wow. doctor that that's a whole other problem because oh well, yeah i know patients. but anyway okay. anyway if i might uh, move on quickly to sure. the next question Yep. We uh, we started making yogurt. We got our our, our probiotics, the Alruteri, Gasserai, and Coagulans. And this weekend we started with with our first batch of the Alruteri. And uh, <laughs> it, it's hard to find like the right kind of milk here. 
because we've got, you know, we live in a communist country where it's controlled by milk marketing boards. So, yeah, that's a whole other issue. We'll just start it on the politics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will tell you that that we have goofy politics around food and dairy down here, too. I can, you know, in Oregon, I can buy cannabis legally. We have basically decriminalized many other drugs. We And I'm not against all of this. I have whole different opinions on drugs than most people do, but it's beside the point. It shows how goofy we are about this stuff. We have legalized the use of psychedelics in this state for uh, mental issues, and I believe there is something there to that. So I, I actually believe those are all good things. But with all that, you, you're going to allow all this stuff that's really controversial, but I can't buy raw milk. I have to go exactly. across the river to Washington. I, it's just – so here's the thing. This issue of finding good quality dairy is not just a problem in Canada. Everybody, everywhere around the country, that seems to be their biggest issue, just finding good quality All right. dairy. All right, so so I went to, um, I, I guess it would be like um, a health foods type grocery store. They have more yeah. healthier choices. Uh, and I found uh, a cream top lightly pasteurized non-homogenized milk organic not get it it's not grass-fed but it's organic so i went with cream top but it's not and that's what i made it with the first batch um and it seemed and it worked like the first i don't know 18 hours we were looking at this thing and and it's like is anything going to happen ever and then all of a sudden it just blew the lid off (laughs) yeah right so the lid came off and i scooped off a little bit of the, the foam off the top, put the lid back on gently, and it did it again a few hours later. And then this morning, it finished its 36-hour cycle. The bottom three-quarters is almost clear with maybe even yep. a greenish tint, and the top yep. is like foam. Yep. So one of the ways you can minim l ruteri is one of the harder strains to ferment properly. The first batch is always a mess, and it's exactly and what you're describing. That. Yeah, the, the the clear or amber, whatever color you might be seeing, that's what we call the whey. The whey is separated out from the curds, and okay. if you strain the foam, it just pour off all the whey. Don't even bother pouring that into a strainer. Just pour off all the whey. If you put that foamy looking stuff in cheesecloth or in a yogurt strainer, you may end up with a pint or a half. Now, what was this, a quart batch? A quart jar, yeah. You may end up with like a half a pint of actual edible yogurt. And go ahead and eat it. If you can strain something out that looks like, you know, creamy yogurt or it might even be a little thin, eat it, drink it, whatever. There's nothing wrong with it at all. You can use the way to start your next batch, and your next batch. And that's will what get, I was planning. Yeah. Yep. You're you're just the way alone. Just that clear liquid, two tablespoons per quart. If you want to do a gallon batch, put in eight tablespoons of it. That will that has all the bacteria in it. That'll start your next batch. Now right. each and batch will get better. Two tablespoons of inulin again. Inulin per quart. Right. The same thing right. again. Each batch right. will get better. 
If you want it, the batch to get a lot better, that same dairy that you get the milk from, do they have half and half? No. That's why I went with the cream top. Now, okay. The, the well, local hold commercial on. Dairy. Just, just so you know, I want to clarify this. The only reason that's called cream top, it is still the same milk fat as whole milk. The reason they call it cream top is because it's not homogenized. The cream will separate out. And it does. We get about yeah, a quarter right. or there's, maybe a fifth on top. Yeah, there's there's no additional milk fat because they call it cream top. It's still whole milk. Right. So you're right. still going to get and, and the, the re- same results in the yogurt as you would with any whole milk. When you go to either half and half or even full cream, you start getting really, really thick yogurt. Okay, now that was my next question. I can get 50-50 or half and half um, in an organic, but it's commercial dairy, which means it's going to be probably heavily pasteurized. And well, it'll say, it, it, it'll, if it's homogenized, we don't care much. Again, okay. if I can wave a magic wand and everybody got the perfect dairy, well, that'd be awesome. But I can't, and they don't, so we need to start looking at what are our best options. So I would go with at least an organic half and half that's not homogenized rather than struggle through four or five bad batches trying to use whole milk on El Ruderi. Now, the other strains all seem to do much, much better. Al Ruderi is just the toughest one to kind of get going and get to a really good edible batch, but it happens right. faster the more milk fat. Now, here's another option. By the, if they have half and half, my guess is they also have heavy cream, or you can find a heavy cream that's organic, and even if it's pasteurized and homogenized, dump some heavy cream in with your really good quality whole milk. Okay, well, and that was that was my next thing is is to see if if you suggested that like, I can I can yeah, get the organic absolutely. cream, and yep. so I was going to just add some cream to the cream top. Yep, go ahead and do that. And the okay. more cream you add, the thicker it's going to be. Okay, all right. Well, uh, the next one goes in at supper time tonight, and uh, well, we're hoping next we have one. a decent batch by by the beginning of next week. I if you do. If you do it with enough cream in it, I think you're going to get a good batch even on just the second one. If you go with straight whole milk, you're going to you'll see an improvement. There'll be less whey at the bottom, but you're still going to get quite a bit. Okay. And would you use curds to start the next batch or just the whey? I, I only use the whey because if I have curds, I want to eat it. Right. Yeah, I don't want to waste my my you know the edible part of the yogurt, the the curds, the 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 good creamy yogurt. Why use that when we have all of this waste product that works just as good? Right now, would would like I've been using quart jars, but I like I lost quite a bit of like when the jar kind of blew up yesterday. Now, see, there's an interesting. No, that that's an interesting phenomenon. That tells us that that culture was really active. I have I've never had that happen. Mine doesn't well, and it blow happened anything in a very short. Right. Yeah, mine right. happened very short period of time. 
Yeah. Like you went that's, the first that's, probably 15 or 18 hours with nothing, and then all of a sudden, Well, wham. that's that's common. That That is common. Okay. You won't see any kind of thickening at all for sometimes 20 hours or more. And then yeah. once that, because remember, we're doubling every two. So right. the difference between how much bacteria is in there after 18 hours, it, it's it's doubled nine times. The more four more hours. bacteria, the, uh, I thought it doubled every two on El Ruderai. Okay. Well, two or four, it doesn't matter. It's doubling. It's all that matters. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, and that's why it starts off slow, and then all of a sudden you go, wow, look, it's getting thick. But the fact that it, it pushed out, it, it, I've never had that happen. I've, that's a really, well, really yeah. active culture, and that's probably a good thing. It did it twice. And yeah, it, like, the first time it, it pushed the lid off, and uh, uh, it was probably two, or we went out, for a little while, did some shopping and stuff, came back, and the lid had pushed off again. Now, the the nice other thing you can do is, on top. You, even if you're doing a quart batch, pour it into two quart jars so they're only filled up halfway. That was my next question. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Use bigger yeah. containers. Use more containers so you're not right up at the top where you, you have that risk of blowing it out the top. Great. Okay. Perfect. All right. I'll, Keep me I'll informed, and yep, let me know how things are going. Uh, we do have some open phone lines. I hadn't looked at the board for a while, so uh, we've got some time left. If you want to jump in right now, you can at uh, 855-950-3835. If you dial right now, I'll get to your call, 855 950 3835. We are going to head off this time to Nebraska. Dennis, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. I have a question about, I guess, golf stones and kidney stones. I've heard you talk about a product they get, they can get rid of it that you have in the store. Is that just golf well, stones or will it work on uh, kidney stones as well? Well, we don't just recommend a product or a supplement we actually have protocols but when it comes to stones we don't put the protocol out we we don't just print it hand it to somebody and say here do this uh, okay. it's a little it, it's a little trickier than that you know if you want to do it yourself there you can go look up there's some pretty decent protocols you can find online if you wanted to try it yourself we don't recommend trying it yourself. We've had a lot of people right. end up with, with more pain and more problems. And so we do have a protocol, and there are some supplements that will dissolve stones. And we can use some apple cider vinegar and some citrus and some other things. But we really like to be have somebody be working with one of our practitioners if they're going to go to try to clear up stones, either one, kidney or gallstones. Okay. The other thing I will All tell right. you is is stop eating foods with oxalates. So no dark leafy greens like kale, spinach, dark lettuces, um, no beets or beet products for a while. I would avoid dark chocolate. You can also look up, you know, other foods. Those are the big offenders when it comes to oxalates, but there are more. And I would just eliminate all foods with oxalates for now. Okay. 
Well, this is for my wife, and she's she just eats the standard American diet anyway. She won't get on board with me. So well, I, I was just mentioning about stones, and she said, well, if you know a way, because she has kidney stones that are just sitting there. She's had them blasted out before, and uh, they're just sitting there. And she goes, well, if there's something I can take to get rid of those. Why don't I know about it? And then that's why I'm calling. But she's okay, not getting on board with just eat. She just going to eat the standard American diet anyway. And let me explain then. I, she could go try this stuff. She could find maybe a practitioner who would be. I, I just so you know, we wouldn't work. I know you're not right. We would. You're not going to. Right. We would just. Right. Know. Okay. Um, I can't. I can't guarantee anything's going to work. Um, if you're eating the standard American diet, and it's probably not going to. And even if it does work, they'll come. They'll back. come right back. It, it, it right. would be like it would be like saying, "Oh, look, my car's all rusty. Let me slap some Bondo on it and paint it." And then when the rust comes back through again, let me slap some more Bondo on it and paint it. Um, right. I, I kind of thought this is what you were going to say. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought you were going to say something like that, but I just wanted to ask and. And I got to say thank you for everything you've done for me. And I don't know how you do it because people ask me how I lost the weight and I tell them and they tell me it doesn't work. And I go, well, I've had it off for two years now. I go, and I've got to the point, I go, well, it's really bad. I go, I may have cancer then. I, I can't explain it then, you know? I like that. I mean, because I I don't have the patience. I don't have the patience you do, maybe because once they tell me it doesn't work, I just stop. Well, you should stop. What an ignorant statement! Oh, I love what you've accomplished. Tell me how you did it, and then you tell them how you did it, and they say, "Well, that doesn't work." Oh, I don't even know how to respond to that. Right? Yeah. So that that yeah, I kind of thought you would say that about my wife. You know, let me give her something she could do every day, and it might help. And it doesn't involve a lot of supplements or going and spending a lot of money or trying some protocols. If she adds apple cider vinegar, real raw apple cider vinegar, and more citrus, Mm -hmm. lemon and lime juice, have her drink water all day long with any of those or all of them in there. Throw some apple cider vinegar Uh in there. You know, have her drinking water all day long with apple cider vinegar or lemon or lime juice, and it may help. Right. Okay. I'll give her that because I don't think she's going to switch everything all at once or maybe ever. Yeah, I don't know. Probably, I, ke- I keep yeah. trying, but... That's know. all you can do. Be a good example okay. and, and keep helping her with the questions. And so, like I said, add add a lot of water all day and make sure it's got some acid in it, citric or um, apple cider vinegar. And, and it may at least help slow things down. It may dissolve some of the stones a little bit. It's worth trying, uh-huh. and it can't hurt. Right. Okay. Well, thank you for your time. I'll let you on to someone else. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Thanks. Let's go to Pennsylvania this time. Uh, let me press the right buttons. Zena, welcome to the program. Hello. Thank Hi you. Hi there. So I did what you said, and I, I skipped uh, the eggs and uh, dairy for a week. Um, okay. 
And I didn't really notice, I might have noticed a small difference, but I didn't notice anything. There wasn't anything world-shattering. Yeah, if, if if you don't notice a significant difference, then we're probably on the wrong track. Um, have you ever done any food sensitivity testing? Actually, I did do that. Um, and, of course, uh, big surprise, wheat and stuff showed up. But, right. um, but yeah, I mean, it, it didn't seem I had an awful lot of food sensitivities. Um, that, that's a good thing. So that also means we're going to have to look somewhere else for the digestive issues. Have you done a NutriQ with us? Yes, uh, they just sent me one last week. Okay, so you have a new one in the system? Mm-hmm. So let's do this. It's a little hard for me to um, to go. i, I got to make that easier so I can just go in there and grab one on the fly. Um mm-hmm. Would you be would you be able to call back tomorrow or Wednesday or any time this week? Yep. Yep, I can call back tomorrow. Let me is that your first NutriQ? No, no, it's not my okay. first one. So I've, I've had other history ones. in there too. Oh good. Yeah. So yep. I'm gonna make a note. Um let me make sure I don't forget this. I'm putting it right on my show notes. Um I wanna go back there and look through your history and look at this new newest NutriQ and see if something jumps out at me. Okay, sounds great. Yeah, so we know it's not dairy and eggs. That's actually a good thing. You don't have a lot of food sensitivities. That's a good thing. Uh, so I, it shouldn't be too hard to find this. Give me, give me, okay. um, kind of explain it to me again. When does it happen or when doesn't it happen? Or when are you noticing anything different? Well, it just seems to, just it's not right after I eat or before I eat or anything like that. It just seems to be just kind of, it just seems to be there where it wasn't before. So um, I'm just, my my question was is if I had some kind of inflammation that I needed to get, you know, because of that COVID that's, that I had. That's almost where we might end up going with this. So do you feel, so when we talk about our midsection and sometimes our pants are tight one day and they're loose the next and it's not like we could have lost weight in a day, what the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. Two things can actually happen. So you could have gas and bloating in your digestive tract that causes your whole midsection to swell. That mm-hmm. would be a digestive issue. That You okay. could also have, though, where the tissue itself, it has nothing to do with your digestive sh- system. That's all working fine. The tissue mm-hmm. itself can be inflamed and bloated. Okay. And so that would be a different thing. Do you, when you feel, when you are bloated, do you feel digestive symptoms, like some pain, some discomfort, some belching or gassy or anything like that? No gassy or anything, but I, I mean, it just, my, my, it, it just feels like a little irritated, I guess. All, and it's okay. not just after I eat, it's just like all the time. You just, know what I mean? Just all the time, right. So mm-hmm. that starts to lead me more towards a digestive issue rather than just systemic inflammation. If we okay. thought it might be, you know, system-wide inflammation causing just the tissue to be kind of swollen, then we might go do a uh, a C-reactive protein test to verify that. But I'm going to okay. lean more towards this is probably digestive and I may be able to see something in the NutriQ then. Okay, great. 
All right. Sounds good. I'll uh, I'll get on that and then call me sometime this week and we'll see if we can figure something out. Great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Let's go to Kansas this time. Tim, Hello, welcome Mr. to the program. Hey there. Yes, thank you. You're I welcome. have a question. I have a question concerning uh, fermenting. I have been uh, experimenting a little bit with that, and I was wondering, would it be beneficial to? I've also been doing the yogurt. I should say that, and I was wondering, would okay. it be beneficial to use some of the whey from the yogurt in a fermentation jar to add that bacteria also to my my fermented food, or will that not work? No, it actually does work, and there are um, there are a lot of people that even Dr. Mercola sometimes recommends using a ferment starter, and one of the ferment starters is just whey from yogurt because it's got the bacteria in there. I've attempted it, and you can even buy little packets of starter, um, or you can use the whey right from yogurt like you're doing. I've tried it. It works. But what happens for me is it actually, maybe it's working too good. It, everything ferments so fast that it, all the vegetables get a little soft for me, like too quickly. So some of the time that I'll do it is I'm going to ferment something really, you know, kind of hard and crunchy like uh, Brussels sprouts. If I'm going to ferment Brussels sprouts, I'll add uh, some whey from the yogurt in there to kind of speed things up. If I'm fermenting something like asparagus, it happens so fast. The last thing I want to do is speed it up. I did asparagus once with whey, and on like the fourth day, it was almost mush. So it works. It does add more bacteria, and there are a lot of people who use whey as a starter to ferment vegetables. I found that I, I prefer not using it. There's already bacteria on the vegetable. It always ferments on its own. And almost every time I've tried to use whey, I ended up with the vegetables were just too soft for me. I started a batch of your pickles on Saturday, I guess it was. So they should be done Tuesday when, or tomorrow when I get home. Um, yeah. I, I wonder how that would work. You know, they're uh, whole cucumbers. So Now, I would never use whey for my pickles. Because okay. on pickles, I even add bay leaf to my ferment to make sure that the skin of the pickle does not get soggy. I like really, really crisp, crunchy pickles. And cucumbers ferment fast, even whole cucumbers. Um, I very seldom leave them out more than five or six days. I like to get the really strong taste from leaving them out longer, but I don't like when they get soft. So, okay, so uh, yeah, I, I, you think I would even not a cucumber would, would soften up with the oh, with the way cucumbers, you added. Cucumbers soften up way too fast without whey for me. That okay. I try to okay. slow down my pickles as much as I can. In fact, I do so many jars of pickles that because I get a lot of cucumbers out of my garden and I like to have pickles all year if I can. I will actually take some of my cucumbers. And I'll only leave the jar out for about 36 hours. And then I'll stick it in the refrigerator in the back 
And when I run out of all my other pickles, I'll start going for those. And that usually helps them go a little bit longer without getting too soft. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess I will try a little experimentation by myself also. And, and That's the that best goes. thing to do. Yeah, play around. But definitely by tomorrow when you get home, I would taste those pickles. And if if they're a little too crunchy for you, I might think about throwing them in the refrigerator anyway to start slowing it down. Well, I like crunchy pickles too. So. Then, then you're not. You definitely want to make sure you don't over ferment your pickles. Then okay. there are some things that go really fast, and you would think that oh, that cucumber has such tough skin on it. It, it but it the cucumbers will soften pretty darn quickly. And then, like I said, asparagus. 48 hours is about all I'll ferment asparagus for. Now, if I get those big, you know, fat, you know, half-inch round asparagus, I might let it go another day, but not much. They they soften pretty quick. I have some jars of asparagus that was – I have a good patch of wild asparagus out on my – Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking forward – go ahead. You know, I was just going to say, and that I, you know, started, got this spring, obviously, and or last spring, and but that's starting to get a little bit on the soft side, what I have left now. So. Oh, if if you got asparagus to last from then till now, that's awesome. Yeah, you, you did a good job fermenting that. That's, that's awesome. I am really looking forward, to, and I wish I was home because it could start happening any day now. Um, I planted asparagus crowns last spring spring for the first time and this is the year I'll be able to harvest um, a pretty decent amount I think I can harvest for 14 days maybe even a little longer and then you got to kind of give it a break till next year and then I can start harvesting um, even more next year so I'm looking forward to my asparagus coming up this year yeah I'm looking forward to a new batch myself so well thank you very much for the info you You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. All right. We uh, we are just about out of time for the day. I've got to wrap this up. Um, we will be adding more shows tomorrow. We will be doing the Power Hour. I'm thinking we might be able to bring back Rolling Toe this week. I need to talk to Mike and Kevin Beckett about that. Uh, I do want to do uh, trucking technology and efficiency this week with John and Joel. So it might be a big week for us to start adding some shows back in, uh, and we'll have to see on the schedule. We may add them back in as the first hour or maybe the second hour. Not sure yet. We've got a couple things to figure out. But uh, thanks for all the support. Thanks for the calls. You guys have been awesome. Uh, maybe tomorrow I'll give you an update on the truck show and a couple other things. But uh, just know, we really do appreciate the support. We are The whole team is working in the background. Uh, our app should be out soon to make listening a better experience. And we will continue to roll out new features on the platform virtually every week. Think, things should start happening now. The truck show's over. I've got a little more time to focus on things. So things should start happening here pretty quickly. We're excited about it. And again, we definitely appreciate your support. We will see you back here tomorrow. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Thanks, everyone.